Welcome, one and all, to Australia's number 800 Celebrant Podcast. It's a, it's a high chart to, to climb, but we are just day by day edging our way higher to the Celebrant Podcast charts. And one day, Sarah, I reckon if we if we really put our put our butts into it, we could we could get number one. Mate, given I think there are three Celebrant Podcasts in Australia. <laughs> I hope that we're higher than number 800. At least number three. At least number three, right? I'm just reading the charts, mate. Just reading the stats. <laughs> uh, my name is Josh Withers and joining me on this podcast is Sarah Ed. As hello, always, Sarah. hello, everybody. It's lovely to talk to you again. So uh, if this is your first time listening, this is the Celebrant Talk Show. Uh, Sarah and I um, talk about celebrancing. Uh, a couple of things. Let's to be honest. Yeah. What we do is talk crap about being celebrants and put it out there if people want to listen to it. Pretty much that's yep. it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, in today, we've got, a, we've got a really cool thing that we're, we've just launched a couple of days ago. We'll talk about that at the end. So I want to do a bit of a tease. Uh, we're going to talk about BDM stuff because uh, BDMs are the most exciting part about celebrancy. <laughs> and uh, we've got some questions to answer. But first of all, we just wanted to do the old catch-up. Sarah, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Things have quietened down a little bit from my manic June, which is nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit quiet. I still have four weddings in July, three of which are same-sex couples, which I am absolutely thrilled about. They're all incredible couples who've been together for a long time, 18 years, 10 years, 23 years. Uh, so I'm thrilled to bits to have been able to write new kinds of ceremonies for them using new kinds of words, you know, not my normal stock standard love and marriage stuff, but I've really, you know, dug deep to come up with some wording about what this means to them um, to be able to marry. And of course, I've used a lot of their own thoughts about that, but what it means to them and what it means uh, in the context of Australia in 2018 and how thrilling it is to be part of you know, this part of history, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, three incredible couples that I'm loving to bits. Uh, so yeah, it's, but it's generally a bit quieter, which is nice. Are you a bit quieter or are you still traveling the country at the moment? Well, I've uh, literally just gotten home from a week in Sydney and I was in Melbourne for a couple of days before that. And um, my July and my August and even my September are the craziest three months of my <laughs> life. And because I, I think what's happened is, um, so October, uh, Britt and I are giving birth, um, and and so we've tried to schedule October a bit quiet. And then like November, like I haven't taken on like like I've got a bit going on. And kind of from October, I don't want to be like nuts. So like I obviously got to work because you know the bills don't pay themselves. But uh, but I I don't know. Like my brain just kind of makes these decisions subconsciously. It's like, well, before October, let's get shit done. <laughs> before October, let's really nail this celebrancy thing down. So my next, I'm literally just scrolling through my calendar. Um, I'm uh, Byron Bay this weekend, uh, Townsville this week, back to Byron Bay next weekend, Sydney for three days. Um, and then from there, I go to Queenstown for two weeks. I'm home from Queenstown for literally a day. Um, and uh, a friend of ours is uh, the, the Annie um, is launching an unholy matrimony on that day where I'm home. Oh my I'm god, like, I'm so jealous that you get to go to that. I, 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 I might get to go. Like I'm looking at it, like I'm literally home for like a day because I go to Cairns, then I'm home, and then I go to um, Vancouver and San Francisco can we just, for weddings. Can we just touch on that? Kind of, I just want to give a shout out to the beauty of. Yeah. Beautiful Annie Molinar, who is putting together this incredible online publication called Unholy Matrimony. And it's really about black weddings rather than white weddings. And what I've seen of it so far is incredibly beautiful. So just Google Unholy Matrimony and uh, get your eyes on that stuff because you'll love it. I've just spent the last week with um, with a friend from America uh, who was over here, and uh, it, it just kind of sparked this cultural weirdness that in Australia you can say black weddings and it doesn't mean the same yeah. thing you mean in America. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> My goodness, I didn't even think about that, but it's so true. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, we're talking about dark. We're talking about, yeah. um, uh, I don't know, probably the goth. Metal. Um, Think black, deep red, deep purple wedding dresses. Think uh, heavy makeup. Think um, no pastels. 
No, he Sacrificing passes. snakes in the ceremony, <laughs> that kind of thing. That, that, that's what it is, isn't it? Uh, sure. <laughs> and he might have a few things to say about that. But it's beautiful, so do check it out. And I'm super jealous that you'll be there, for, that you'll hopefully, hopefully be there for the launch. Yeah. yeah. I, I also wanted to go back to, you are talking about marriage. Um, couples that couldn't get married before this year, pretty much. Uh, and you've got a few ceremonies for them. Um, which is one of the, like, one of my favorite things with, uh, with marrying couples that couldn't get married last year, they can get married this year is, is like you said, kind of finding new words and new phrases and just new, new ways of expressing that commitment. Cause it's, it's equally the same commitment whilst also equally being a different commitment. Mm. It's like a bit of a, a bit of a paradox. Like it's, like it's a, it's a human commitment, but it's also um, a lot of the words and a lot of the phrases we've used to describe that commitment before this year um, sometimes don't apply or sometimes yeah. are a little bit outdated. Uh, but I, uh, a friend of the podcast uh, who I won't name so that it doesn't narrow it down to a person that might have said this, but he was at one of the Queensland BDM training sessions because, as we're going to talk about later in the show, um, the Queensland BDM is launching or has been launching a new online system and they had a training system, a training uh, seminar. And in the middle of the seminar, they had a bit of a break, coffee and biscuits, and uh, everyone's having a chat. And one celebrant loudly proclaims, she's, has, has anyone married any gays yet? Oh. I'm just, I can't, I can't wait to marry the gays. Oh. And, uh, and it was just, it, the, that, the celebrant that overheard that, we, we talk on the phone every now and then. And, and uh, he just relayed that story to me, which I thought was equally beautiful and terrifying. Yeah. Um, just if you're listening to this, you're like, what's wrong with that? We're like, we just, we don't, we don't call them the gays anymore. That's kind of, <laughs> kinda, we don't really do that. They're just people. I really like your description of them as couples who couldn't get married before the 8th of December. Thank you. I, I, last year. I think that's a great description because that covers every different kind of gender identity and sexual orientation and um, everything that might be under the sun and included in these kinds of couples. So they are simply couples who can, who could not get married before the 8th of December 2017. Yeah, because all the, these titles matter. Um, it, they, you know, it matters how we talk to each other because if it didn't matter there wouldn't be an explicit tag or a clean tag on this podcast. If it didn't matter, we could just say whatever we want on social media and like, ah, look at Josh, he's being racist again. How hilarious is that? <laughs> like, so it matters what we say to each other. Um, and, you know, I think back to the episode of this podcast that um, that you couldn't be on, Sarah, but the one with um, uh, with Dancing With Her. With Dancing With Her. Um, yeah, uh, Tara. The, the editor, Alia. Uh, Tara. Alia is her um, partner. And... Uh, and and she does. She identifies as cisgender, so it's female, and and she doesn't mind being called a lesbian, but her partner isn't a lesbian. Um, which some people would hear that like, oh, that's what? Of course she's a lesbian. Like, well, you know what? You don't really get to decide, but no, she is. That's right. Um, that's up to her. She doesn't love the term lesbian, and so she's not. So that's totally okay. And just on this, I had a really, really interesting discussion with a celebrant about a legal loophole, but um, that that's not the issue. It's about a trans woman, okay? So this is a, a woman who was assigned male at birth. Let's call that person Jack and grew up attracted to women uh, but always felt like a woman and has since transitioned to Jacqueline and is now getting married to Jill. Amazing. While Jack was male to society... Jack always identified as a lesbian because Jack felt like a woman inside who loved women. So even though Jack, for all intents and purposes, appeared to society to be a man, Jack felt like a lesbian. Amazing, right? Like Completely amazing. So that's like labels are about whatever the person says the label is. They're not for us or other people to decide. Because it, it's not just about offending minority groups because it's a lot of people go like, oh, no, that's them. Um, but I I described something the other day as uh, I, I described it as hilariously white, that the thing that was occurring was a hilariously white thing. <laughs> and some people looked at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know what, you, you just... You wouldn't see this in a Chinese family. <laughs> sure. And I, I thought it was hilarious. And, and they were not, they weren't offended, but they're like, oh, it's not white. It's, well, like, yeah. like, I felt it was, but uh, that just highlighted to me that some people don't like that. Um, uh, they, they don't like that title. And so 
uh, you know, it just goes back to we've written about it, we've talked about it in this podcast, and it's something we'll always talk about, that, um, that, that what we say matters. And you know what? What a, what a beautiful segue for celebrants because cause we're, the, we're the people. Um, as I wrote for Mamma Mia this week, we hold the ceremonies, um, we, we hold the ceremonies vibe by the balls. What we say <laughs> matters. What we say totally matters, yes. Sarah, do you want to walk into a question? Sure. Absolutely. Shall we talk about this question that we got on the 5th of April from Adam? Sorry, it's taken us so long to get to it, Adam. We're very slack. We know that. Um, okay, so Adam is... A- well, hang on. Let me clarify. Not slack. <laughs> okay, not we've slack. Got, we've got shit going on. Busy, 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 busy. But we're totally getting to it now. So... Um, At the time that he wrote to us, Adam was studying to become a celebrant and hoping to be registered in July, which is right now. So, Adam, please check in with us and let us know. Like, are you registered? Are you nearly registered? How's it going? Anyway, uh, he said that he opted to study online, which with hindsight he regrets because of the lack of human contact. And I do say this to everyone who asks me the question, I strongly recommend doing your cert for in celebrancy uh, face-to-face, uh, not only for the networking with other new celebrants, but also you'll get insights from your trainer that you won't get from the book. Every trainer will inject information uh, from their own careers and their own experience into what they tell you on the day. So you'll get all of that as well. Anyway, that's... Uh, beyond. Anyway, so his question, What he's got two questions. His first one was how to get his very first and maybe the next uh, few clients, which is totally fair. He said he's someone, you know, obviously totally new and inexperienced. He planned on being totally honest about this and selling himself on being new and full of enthusiasm, but he was considering whether he should offer a financial discount. So I feel quite strongly about this, uh, to be honest. Uh, I, and I know that this is quite controversial and a lot of celebrants listening to this probably won't agree with it, but I strongly believe that you can't walk into the market and charge the same amount as someone who's been doing this for two, three, five, ten years. And you you don't have to apologise for that because... Absolutely not. Because if... If, if, if I, I mean, I went and got a coffee this morning and there were small, medium, and large coffees and the large coffee costs more than the small coffee. And I would argue that on day one, you, you're probably more of a small coffee just because you don't have the quantity of knowledge and experience and talent and skill that, that, that I do or you do. And, and that's not about being better. It's not, it's not about like you suck or it's just, like you're on day one. Yeah. Like day one, day one, you're a small coffee. A couple of weddings later, you're a medium coffee. Later on, you're a large coffee. Totally. Because uh, you, you you develop a breadth of experience and talent that, that, that just it just comes from hours on the clock. Yeah. And I also don't believe that this is about devaluing our profession. You know, I did have experienced celebrants contact me in my first year. So just, okay, backtracking a bit. When I started as a celebrant um, in late 2013 and sort of early 2014, I priced myself cheap. So I spoke to a bunch of celebrants. I asked them how much they charged and I charged like 200 bucks less than that was my starting point. And if, so I started at $550. And if, hey, so did I. Yeah, snap. <laughs> so, and in fact, at my very first expo, I offered, which was, you know, after I'd done one wedding, I offered a 50 dollar discount if you booked within the 30 days of the expo or if you booked on the day I offered a hundred dollar discount so I took five bookings at that at that expo which I did for 450 dollars and to me totally fine didn't resent those they were about getting my name on the board getting some experience and being able to say to the next ones who came yeah I've got like 10 bookings or whatever I and then I had a you know a few experienced celebrants saying you're devaluing the profession you know you need to put your price up um, we're worth more than that I'm like but I'm not worth more than that yet because I don't have any I don't have any notches on my belt I don't have any experience so that if something goes to shit in the middle of your ceremony I know how to fix it because I'm not experienced yet I don't think I am worth 
what a full-time professional celebrant who's got a hundred plus weddings under their belt is worth. And I was, you know, quite open about that. And yes, some of them still complained at me, but I very sincerely feel that until you've got some runs on the board, you, you just shouldn't be charging the same amount as an experienced celebrant. And again, I know that's controversial and not everybody's well, going to agree with me. It's it's not controversial. And the and the reason it's not controversial is because we no longer live in a time where there's a, um, uh, I forget what the words they use in the documentation, but like a mandated set of fees. Yeah. Uh, the schedule of, was it a schedule of fees? Yeah, yeah like the government uh, or the uh, AGD uh, schedule of fees. We're not, we're not in that time anymore. So we're not, um, I am not in a place to tell anyone what to charge in their business. Um, uh, hey, because I'm pretty sure there's, there's, so a few issues regarding the law and that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but secondly, um, because it's your business and that's your business. Now, I can certainly give advice. I can certainly tell you. Um, and you, yeah, there's there's things like, but there's no there's no place for anyone to 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 um, tell you what to charge. And so, it's it's okay to charge what you want. Uh, the, the The only thing that I would say is that as you as you start charging small acknowledge that there's a journey mm. and uh, as I even said to um to a celebrant recently uh that that they're fresh and but they've I think um they've maybe got uh, I think 10 or 15 or 20 bookings they said and they're, they're charging low and that's okay um but there's a point where you've got to start taking proactive steps to start charging um what firstly what you're worth secondly what it costs you thirdly um the the fee you can charge where you can operate a sustainable business because what's going to happen, you're going to start booking these weddings 12, 18, 24 months in advance. Uh, particularly if you're charging quite low, you'll start getting a lot of weddings that are like three years away mm. because that's, that's a correlation in the market with that fee and that time. And, um, and you'll come to three years later and you're like, damn, I'm charging double this. And you know what? And, hopefully you're a good enough person to rock out to their wedding with the same vigor and excitement that every other wedding would get. But also you don't want to be like, damn, this, this couple paid bloody nothing for me and I'm charging so much. I'm so, like, you, just, you just want to have a good heart and a good mind about it. Yeah. So there's a point where you've got to proactively start saying, like I've, I've, I've given the advice to some celebrants, like uh, July 1 every year, just revisit it. Um, and, and, and I would say that's a lifetime advice. Oh, but absolutely. If you're, start, if you're starting really low, maybe make it look every three to six months, I'm going to revisit it and just make sure, am I still worth this? Particularly in the note that I'm going to be doing this in two years' time, Will I be a better celebrant in two years' time? Hopefully you will be. <laughs> Am I going to be worth more than that? And you know what? This is a special little dance. That, like, no, no one's got it right. Um, you know, I was... It's funny. As you said, 5.50, I'm like, I did the same thing. Have I told you the story in the podcast before? Don't know. Tell it again. Uh, um, so I, I'm at a wedding expo, and... Uh, and I literally rock in, and I'm that stupid that I didn't even didn't even realize I had to design us a, a booth. So we brought some furniture from home. I'm so stupid, and uh, and the expo is about to begin. And uh, I, I'll tell a little bit of the story in a blog post coming up next week that we'll talk about later. But I um I think, damn, I need a price. So I literally Google on my phone celebrants. I look at a few prices. A few are charging five hundred. A few are charging six hundred. Like I know what I'm going to charge five fifty. <laughs> Just literally pull it out of thin air. Such a such a I don't know. It's just what I did, and I don't think it's that wise. But if anyone else did that, you're probably just as wise as I was at that point. Um, but I I went a little bit further than you, Sarah. I didn't offer a discount, but I said, if you book me this week, I'll MC your reception for free. And so I <laughs> sold 20 weddings that week. I did 20 receptions for free. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I killed those receptions. It was really good. Um, so, yeah, there is that aspect where, you know what, you – it doesn't hurt to charge low. Uh, but what I'd also give the advice to Adam, um, the advice I would always also give to Adam to put my words in the correct order is it may well be that your life situation sees you kind of storming out of the gates and I'm, in six months, I'm going to be a full-time celebrant. Uh, but that is certainly wasn't true of my story and it's not true of many stories. And it doesn't hurt just to, just to take your foot off the accelerator, accelerator a little bit and just develop your style and your skill and your talent because it's a very human thing. And some people may well have the demeanor to, to storm out of the gates and in six months you're the best seller on the planet. Uh, but for me, it took a couple of years. It took a couple of years for me to figure out what kind of celebrant I am. And and uh, I, I told this story um, at Julius Celebrancy uh, uh, Agency. agency talk thing that I did last week. Um, 
talk thing is, is how you can now bring in those. <laughs> Josh'sTalkThing.com. Come see me speak. <laughs> uh, and, and I said there was kind of there was kind of two. There was there was a first act and a second act of my settlements. And the first act was where I just googled ceremony scripts and like, oh, I guess this is what ceremonies are. And and I I looked at other celebrants. Although I guess that's what a celebrant is. But it wasn't until I did that for a year or two, and I probably married three couples or friends and friends of friends and that kind of gear. Um, and I was on the radio at that time, so I married a few listeners and that kind of thing. And and I, it took me a couple of years to realize, oh, I am not at all that kind of celebrant. And I I had to figure out who I was. And you may well be so woke and so self-aware that you can figure out who you are next week, but I wasn't. So, and you know. No, and it takes time. You're absolutely right. Um, and I, you know, I do speak to some celebrants who are training who think that they're going to be full-time celebrants in, you know, six months and it's... To be honest, it's highly unlikely. Um, but the other thing that I also want to say is that um, Adam should feel quite uh, free to be open and honest about why he's charging a smaller fee. Oh, yeah, yeah so, totally. Because I, like, okay, so I've got a couple who I married. They booked me in my first, like, three months, and I married them 12 months later. So I was really cheap, really cheap. But they've been massive cheerleaders for me ever since then. And, you know, she's referred me quite a lot of bookings and all that sort of thing. And the other day she contacted me and said, oh, my sister's getting married, you know, um, how much do you charge? And I sent her my price, which is, you know, double what I was charging then. And she went, oh, oh, you, you, <laughs> you're so much more now. I went, well, yeah, because, you know, when you booked me, I'd done one wedding and I've now done 250 plus and have five years' experience under my belt. So I think that being honest with those couples up front that you're brand new and this is why you're charging a lower fee because you're well aware that you're less experienced and those sorts of things, I think that's really valuable so that they don't expect you to still be charging that when they come back to you in four, five, six years. Yeah, because there's also a pride point. Like, I can tell you that the, my first couples, they knew that I was um, green and they held it as a real pride point. Yeah, we were his first couple. And uh, and they, I, I, I haven't talked to them about money, so I haven't had the conversation you have. Um, but I know that they were aware how fresh and green I was. And, and they still comment to my Facebook and Insta. Like, it's actually, there's, there's three or four couples really early on who still today are big cheerleaders for me. Yeah. Um, and they think I was not terrible then. And guys, if you're listening, I was pretty fucking shithouse. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was a you pretty terrible celebrant back then. You were I was different. different. Yes, I was a different pedal. They still had a wonderful <laughs> wedding. Don't discount <laughs> their wedding. It was still no, brilliant. Uh, but purely from a celebrant point of view, yeah. I look back and go, God, I cannot believe I said that. <laughs> but we learn and that's okay, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I hope that helps, Adam, with your first question. The second question is, is it worth me getting listed on one of the big aggregator sites? Is the return on investment worth it? Is there any upside of being listed outside of the increased number of leads that I might receive? And which listing site would you guys recommend? So he's talking about Easy Weddings or Polka Dot Bride or uh, one of the, you know, Celebrante or the Celebrant Directory. Celebrante still around. It is. It is still around. Yeah. Um, the ownership changed a couple of years ago. Lance Tapsell is the owner now. Um, but it's definitely still there. Uh, so, you know, this is what he's asking about. Um, my experience, uh, well, no, I'm actually not going to talk about my experience because my advice with these things is that everybody should give them a go. Because what works or doesn't work for me is not necessarily going to work or not work for you. So, you know, my I asked a lot of people when I started and that's kind of why I did a bunch of expos and still do expos because people told me you should give expos a go. But then, you know, other people said, oh, Easy Wedding's amazing and I jumped on there and I didn't necessarily have the greatest experience, but I know other people who have an amazing experience. So far be it for me to tell you what you should do except for give everything a go. And see yeah, yeah. what works for you. And and it, it might be that it might be that you just say, look, I've got a I've got a grand, I'm gonna blow a grand. And it might be that easy weddings cost this and and, and, and blah blah cost that. Or it, but but yeah, give it a shot because that's that's gonna be the best the best experience. I I'll um I'll throw I'll throw a little bit more um 
would you call it subjective advice yeah. over Sarah's? Like, because I agree with everything he said, but I'll just say if 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 you do if you do want to get a little bit better bang for buck, um, AMC, the Australian Marriage Celebrants, uh, 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 what are they called? Um, Association. Conference. Association. Thank you. I had a mind blank. Uh, their website ranks really well on SEO. And if you're, um, if you can construct an okay profile on there, then, uh, yeah, that's probably a good, what, what is it, like 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. Something the, like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that might be a good place. Easy Weddings is probably a little bit more. I don't know what they charge these days, but give it a shot. Just go and put your name out there. Um, just like we've already highlighted, be aware that you're in this phenomenal stage of growth. And so, in a year or two, you're going to be so much more aware of who you are, what your brand is, and, and and what works and what doesn't work. And that's going to be far better than saying, "Well, Josh said go to Australian marriage celebrants," yeah. um, because you'll you'll have this you'll have these uh, these experiences and this actual data, um, which is so much that, more valuable. Yes, but on that, as we've talked about before, and I know I've harped on this before, you must track where every single inquiry comes from. Because if you're going to throw $1,000 at an expo or at Easy Weddings or anywhere else, you need to know whether or not you're getting a return on that. I know exactly what I get a return on my investment for because I track where every single inquiry comes from. So I know I've talked, we've talked about this at length before, but make sure that you have actual data and not just, oh, I've been doing this and I've got a bunch of inquiries, so I guess it's working. Well, do you know that though? Have you asked? Because I know because I ask. So make sure you get real actual data. And because everyone loves it when you and I aren't 100% in agreement on a thing, I'll come in with plain devil's advocate <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that, that Sarah is not incorrect in what she's saying, but also most business transactions occur after more than one touch, um, more than one branding touch. And so so uh, this comes from old band advice. If you're uh, marketing and, and advertising bands, that most people most people would turn up to a concert after they have that have seven touches from the brand, from the band. That they might have heard the band being interviewed on radio, they saw a poster on on a on, as they were driving, um, they got a Facebook sponsored post and they got an email and they I don't know. So you on video hits? Yeah. I all, miss all video the, hits. Oh, what a time to be alive. I know. So uh, I'll go, I mentioned Channel V to Brit the other day. She goes, she goes, what's Channel V? Oh, God. Oh, man. See, that's the problem when your wife is significantly younger than you. Well, she also she also never had pay TV at home. Yes, and so we yeah. only we only had pay TV because we my parents owned a motel. And so the motel had <laughs> pay TV, so we had a pay that TV. Would do it. But off topic, I totally get what you're saying that um yes, it's it's marketing advice that we hear a lot, you know, they need to they see you in seven touch points before they think that you're worth uh you know, responding to. However, um I do still see the uh, a value in asking the question because oh yeah 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 because it's still for me for me the po the point that they tell you oh this is where i saw you or this is where i found you is the one that has stuck in their mind so True. if they've seen you on seven different places and one of those happens to be easy weddings but actually the one that stuck in their mind was your facebook post you need to know that you need to know that yeah, we found you on Facebook. Okay, so whatever I'm doing on Facebook is obviously sticking in people's minds. So that to me is important data as well. Uh, I think we answered Adam, Adam's question. I hope so. And I hope that he um, has been registered or is close to registering and that he lets us know. Um, and that would be awesome. Yay. Thanks. If you've got questions for the podcast, um, and this is a bit of a tease, what's going up? If you've got questions for the um, the Celebrant Institute, please send them through. Uh, you can you can email hello at celebrant.fm or on the celebrant.institute website, uh, which you might be hearing that for the first time. Like, what is that? And we'll explain soon. Uh, there's an ask page where you can ask a question, and we'll get to it there. Awesome. Okay, so next we're going to talk about BDM online systems. Hey, on, I think I, I don't have one, but maybe we could like voice it. But being the BDM is such a big part of our world. I feel like, uh, like you know, in TV shows when they have like a BDM update, like a you know, like an intro. 
<laughs> no, you don't think so? Yeah, sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. No. We'll, 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 we'll pin that for later. Yeah, you can. Now it's time for your BDM yep. updates. Uh, well, Josh is the tech person on this thing, so he, you can you can work your magic on that. Go right ahead. Uh, okay, so BDM. Uh, so we've talked about BDM online systems quite a bit in this podcast because Queensland rolled out their new system at the end of last year or early this year. Uh, new South Wales and Victoria have had online systems for a number of years. The other states, sorry, we don't really know. We haven't heard anything that's going on about online systems in South Australia or the Northern Territory or Western Australia or what's left, Tasmania. Um, I did hear that the Tasmanian BDM is getting running water next week, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> God, that was rude. Do you know what else I saw today? Just on Tasmania, I saw some guy on um, Facebook who is saying that if you vote for me at the next federal election, I'll I'll get rid of Tasmania. <laughs> I'll get rid of Tasmania. <laughs> I think his website is dot com. Hey, was was this was this Clive Palmer? Is is this him and is actually- this part of him making it's making Australia great again? <laughs> really simple guys. Just get rid of Tassie. We'll just we'll just cut them off. They're already cut off. We'll just symbolically cut them off. Yeah. Wow, we'll just what a get sell. rid of Tasmania. Some young guy. He only had twenty seven likes on his Facebook page, so you know, who knows? Mind you, that's 27 other people that's walking the earth in Australia true. who are like, that is a ripper idea, yeah. guy. Have you considered getting... <laughs> why has no one else considered getting rid of Tasmania? <laughs> uh, poor Tasmania. Anyway. Like at least Western Australia is considering getting rid of itself. But Tasmania's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> okay, so, um, so, yeah, so we've talked about these online systems quite a bit, but... This is really coming to the fore for me now being a Victorian celebrant because Victoria is rolling out a new online system in mid-July, early August. So we've had an online system for ages, but the computer system that BDM in Victoria uses to register life events, births, deaths, marriages, was built in 1985. So it's kind of old. And doesn't really work very well. So they're like, yeah, we need to build a new one. Apparently they've been working on this for five years. So they have bought out of the box the same software that New South Wales uses for uh, their online system, but they're telling us that they've changed 80% of it. (laughs) Wow. Now, when I went to a training session on this new system last week, I have used the New South Wales one and I didn't see an awful lot that looked different, but maybe it's more back-end stuff. Anyway, so the big news uh, for Victorian celebrants is that once this new system rolls out, mid-July, early August, whenever, there's going to be a three-month grace period after which every single person who solemnises a marriage in Victoria must use this online system. Must. Must. Now, this is very different from Queensland and New South Wales. As far as I'm aware, New South Wales doesn't allow you to use the system unless you are planning on doing multiple ceremonies in New South Wales. Uh, Queensland, you know, they're still new. They're still getting rid of the bugs. But Victoria is going, yeah, must. And not only must use the online system, but must upload digital versions of the paperwork. We don't want any paper versions anymore by the end of the year. Wow, that's like very forward thinking. Um, I can only imagine, though, they're going to cop a wee bit of opposition. Oh, well, so I've already heard there was a celebrant. A friend of mine went to a training session. There was a celebrant in there who put up her hand and said, I've been a celebrant for more than 20 years. I don't do anything online. I'm not tech savvy. I don't get it. Uh, what do I have to do? And they went, you'll have to use the online system. And she said, but I can't. Does that mean I can't be a celebrant anymore? And they said, yes, it does. So, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know that celebrant. I don't know their story. But I would argue that there would be a pretty good legal case there. Mm-hmm. And, and if they wanted to push back, that they could very easily push back. Because I, as we've stated so many times, and it'll be something we always state on this podcast, the BDM has some authority but not much the medium is kind of it just receives what we what we give them um i would argue that as a marriage celebrant we're kind of like like point one of a mil higher up the chain than the bdm because we are given the commonwealth authority to marry and they have the authority to register what we 
send them. Mm. And I, I don't know, like I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not finding it out in court. Um, but the BDM just takes what we give them. Uh, as much like New South Wales BDM is so beautiful. They call me every couple of months because I, I, I registered like more and more marriages on their online system. But sometimes um, because I've got Celebrant Suite and I do marriages all around the country, sometimes Celebrant Suite's just a bit easier. Like it, it has the 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 um uh, the import thing where a couple can fill out the form and it goes into Celebrant Suites and it's it's just kind of it's yeah I know we can have a conversation about these kind of things forever, but it's not the most beautiful system compared to some of them. But it just works for me. Mm. Um, uh, and and so New South Wales will call me and go, hey, you've registered this via mail. We'd love it if you did, if I did it via electronic systems. I said, I'd love it if you would also just accept what I sent you. And they're like, okay, thanks. I'm like, thanks for calling. It was so good to chat. <laughs> and so this is, I mean, t- to me, the the person who relayed this story to me said this was a perfect opportunity for BDM to gain some brownie points and say, hey, don't worry, we'll get you to come in and we'll give you some personal training so that this isn't scary. We'll make this work for you. Instead of just going, you have to do it, it's not our problem. So it was a real missed opportunity for BDM to get some brownie points. Now, uh, the, the way the system works is that very similar to the way the current BDM system works, you enter all the details into a database and then you print out the forms that you need, whether that's the NOIM or the Declaration of No Legal Impediment to Marriage or the Official Certificate of Marriage. It prints those out. You can PDF them and uh, print them out and you're good to go. Um, it's still fine if you work the way I do, which is that I handwrite the NOIM with the couple and then I go home and data enter the information into the system and just spit out the Donlim and the certificate of marriage on the day, that's fine. Um, the other thing that this new system does, which the previous one doesn't, is it actually asks for a lot more uh, information post the wedding. So currently with the Victorian system, post wedding, you all you have to do is check that all the details have remained the same, that like the witness name didn't change on the day or the venue didn't change, whatever, and press submit and then print two copies and send it in. That's all you have to do. Now you have to click a box that says the witness signed in the witness box. You have to tick a box that says the groom signed in the groom box. You have to tick a box that says I have fulfilled my obligations under the Marriage Act 1961 and, you know, solemnize this marriage appropriately, blah, blah, blah. You have to tick that box. So there's a whole bunch more, I guess, regulatory stuff that they're asking us to do afterwards. And their hope, their plan is that they will never have to open the PDFs of the actual Don Lim and marriage certificate to check them because you've ticked the box that says, I did this correctly. So, oh, you know, that doesn't seem like a problem at all. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem like it's an issue. <laughs> now, the other, the other new thing is that we will be able to order the official marriage certificate for our couples. We will have to pay for that on our credit card, but it can be posted directly to the couple. So that's something that Victorians haven't been allowed to do for a long time. If we do it that way, the couple won't need to show any further identification. Uh, but if we don't, do it at if we don't order it for them at the time of submitting the marriage and they order it themselves later they will have to show the identification that they do at the moment anyway that's the nitty-gritty i've got a question before you before you speed off um on uh the celebrant paying for and ordering the certificate Mm. um is it did they mention any of the potential issues so so the the reason queensland bdm doesn't let josh celebrant pay for a celebrant uh, pay for a certificate instead they email the couple saying, hey, Josh has registered your marriage. Would you like a certificate? Mm. Click here, pay the 50 bucks or whatever it is, and um, it comes in the mail. The reason they've done that is because they identified that the marriage certificate isn't mine to order or pay for, and they they had a few issues um, like if if – if there has to be a refund or um, like a, they believe that a lot of marriage certificates come back in the mail, get returned to sender because of wrong addresses and that, in which case they, um, they uh, send the money back to the, to the person who paid for it. And they, they didn't like it going back to the celebrant, even the celebrant had it paid for it. Like just a few of those kind of mm, issues. Sure. Um, they wanted the relationship between the BDM and the, and the, 
couple, couple to, to be between them, not between the celebrant. Um, and, and I actually, honestly, I really like it. It means I'm yeah, not asking look, couples for money. And I really like it too. And I, I know that in my first year as a celebrant, I did order the marriage certificate for a few couples. I went through all the rigmarole of getting... Um, a letter from them saying I was allowed to and getting certified copies of my own ID and certified copies of their ID. It was a big thing, but I did that. And then what it ended with is them calling me every three days going, where's my certificate? And I actually don't want to deal with that. That's I'm not interested. Once I've done the wedding, I, I, I don't want it anymore. I don't want to have that um, responsibility. So they were very clear in the training session, this is a business decision for us. We do not have to do this. We, of course, we can, um, you know, on charge the fees to the couple, uh, you know, all of that sort of thing. They were very much, this is just a feature that is possible, but there's nothing that says you have to do this. So they re and they actually said that multiple times, which I thought was quite interesting. So, I mean, I'm going to think about it. I think it's possible that I still will continue not to do it because I don't want to have that responsibility, but I will consider it and see how the chips seem, seem to fall and, and that kind of thing. So, so that's kind of the nitty gritty of how the system works. My biggest concern was that I went to, um, maybe the second or third day of them running these training sessions and they were doing multiple sessions a day. So I probably went to maybe the sixth or seventh session that had been run. And you guys know that I'm a nerd and I know all of the things. So when I ask a question, when I can see, cause they're showing me the system on the screen and there's a question there, which is a required field because it's got an asterisk next to it. And it says form 15 certificate number. And I put my hand up and I said, why do you need that? That's not required for you to register the marriage. It's not in the current uh, online form. That's just for our own record keeping. Will this uh, system spit out a record of use form? And the person running the training said, what's a form 15? <laughs> now, so, you, so you see, New South Wales does the same thing and you can't register it without putting the number in, which is um, like a little bit annoying. Yeah, it's and it. You know, the only, they actually said to me, what's a Form 15? Once I explained it, she said, oh, maybe it's because couples come to us thinking that's their registration number. So if they come to us with that number, we can search for that and find their marriage record that way. Well, I'm still like, but you could search for their name. So that doesn't actually help me. And I, they, my biggest issue was that the people running the training didn't know what their own system was asking for and didn't know why it was asking for it. I, I found that very concerning and very, and quite disappointing, to be honest. And again, this was not the first training session. They'd run multiple sessions by then. I also asked, if I pay for the marriage certificate, can I get a receipt? Yeah, we've had that question. We don't know. See, this is the issue when you buy a system. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, if... Not that I was in a place to give advice, but I wouldn't have bought the New South Wales system. Mm. This is the problem when you buy a system as opposed to implementing it. And I've got to say, Queensland, for a few of the issues that Queensland's had, they've literally built something from the ground up. They've looked at the problems and said, how can we face this? And they've done it. And they've ended up in a much better place than New South Wales and Queensland. Like Victoria, I, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, New South Wales and Victoria. Um, like, obviously, I don't get to choose where my couples mm. um, get married, but I'd much, much rather register it in the Queensland um BDM system in the New South Wales and uh, mm. one now Victoria. Particularly, there's a lot of web browser stupid things in the New South Wales system. Like, it doesn't like Safari or Mac, but that's my web browser of choice. And so, yep. And we know, they and they all they're telling us is, oh, we've tested on the current system on the current Chrome, but we don't know about the other systems. Well, okay, you need to test that shit before you roll it out. Particularly if you're going to make every single person use, use it. it. That's exactly right because this is. Yeah, I have a, I mean, I have a lot of concerns. I had a lot of other questions, uh, that again, they couldn't answer. So for example, the current Victorian online system does not accept non-standard characters. Now, I have quite a few, uh, couples who come here from overseas. They might have a Spanish name that has an accent on one of the letter. They might have a German name that has an umlaut on the letter. The, the current Victorian system doesn't accept those special characters. So I have to write a note saying the third A of the groom's first name needs to have an umlaut on it when you print the 
official certificate. So I said, does this accept special characters? What do you mean? What's a special character? Like, just, I I was just um, amazed and, you know, and I suppose I'm seeing this a bit differently now that I am a trainer myself. When I walk into a classroom, I know my material back to front and inside out. And I have prepared answers to all the questions I think might be asked. And yes, occasionally something comes up that I don't know how to answer. And I go, oh, okay, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And I do get back to them on that. And I accept that somebody can't necessarily know all the ins and outs of a system. But I just, you know, to me, those questions that I asked were fairly standard pieces of information that I would think when you're rolling out a new system, you should be able to answer those questions. So I think that there's going to be some teething issues. I think a three-month handover period is not long enough at all uh, for everyone to be using the system. Um, you know, it's going to be if somebody comes from Western Australia to do one wedding ever, they're going to have to use the new system. Uh, yeah, I think it, there's going to be a lot of teething issues. But, I mean, overall, the system looks good. It looks to me like it collects a lot of information that, um, well, you know, that information about did the groom sign and did the... Like, I think all of that's good, to be honest. Uh, I'm just concerned at the lack of full knowledge that the people running these training sessions had uh, I'm actually going to another training session on this system in two weeks because I'm part of a networking group that has organised for BDM reps to come out to the networking group um, and run a private session for them. So I'll be going again uh, and I'll be interested to see if in that three-week period those the people who come out have managed to get answers to those questions because I'll be asking them again um, and go, oh, yeah, we, we had that question before and, and now we know what the answer is. Uh, but yeah, it's now the other thing that came up was about electronic signatures. So Josh, you and I have talked a lot about how you have got, uh, approval from the Attorney General's Department, New South Wales BDM and Queensland BDM to sign the marriage documents on your iPad using an Apple pencil. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so somebody put their hand up cause somebody sitting in the row behind me, um, said to me, I've just bought a brand new iPad for this very reason because I knew that this system was coming and that we're going to be able to upload our documents rather than post in. So he put up his hand and said, can we do electronic? Nope. Victorian law does not allow that. Which is not correct. That's not correct that's at a, all. That's, a, that's an absolute <laughs> lie. It's not correct. The, the Victorian Electronic Transactions Act absolutely allows it. And I tried to have that argument with the BDM person. They didn't want to hear it. They're like, we're just, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. It might come down the road, but we're not doing it. Now, my argument to that celebrant was how would BDM know if something, given we're not allowed to post in the originals anymore, we have to scan them and upload them to the system anyway, how are they going to know if you've signed it with pen and scanned it in or if you've signed it with an Apple Pencil and and just uploaded the electronic document? Because the Apple Pencil is so sensitive that it does look like a proper signature with a pen. Yeah, it looks beautiful. So I don't really know how they're going to know that information, but they're saying absolutely not under any circumstances. Uh, I do notice, and I sent this to Josh the other day, in the new guidelines, we will talk about those in a minute as well, in the new guidelines it does say the Attorney General's Department is happy for electronic signatures, but you do need to check with the BDM who's receiving the paperwork as to whether or not they're happy with them. Which is the same statement they made to me uh, a year or two ago? Yeah. How long? Yeah. yeah whenever, whenever, whenever I talked to them about it. Yeah. Gosh, what a time to be alive, I Sarah. Um, I, uh, I just wanted to stake my position on this. Um, I, uh, until such time that I'm, I'm blocked from doing so or I feel that I can comfortably move into the new system, um, I'm just going to keep on posting shit in. I'm just going to keep on posting. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, I, like right now, the main reason I want to do it is just because I love to watch the world burn. <laughs> Is, yeah. that, is that wrong? Am, nah, am I bad? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we'll allow that. <laughs> so Gosh. Victorian celebrants in particular and anybody who does uh, weddings in Victoria, it is coming. Uh, they're telling us that we'll be able to register because we, 
even if you're registered on the current system, you have to re-register for the new system and your, all of your old marriages won't come over. You'll have to take screenshots of the old completed marriages if you want a copy of those. Um, but they're telling us that that will come out in the next three or four weeks. So keep uh, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. We will talk about this on the podcast um, whenever something happens um, and I will and we'll talk about it on the Celebrate Institute as well. And, yeah, just keep your eyes and ears open. I think the change is good, but I think that it's a bit ambitious. Uh, so there's one more thing that I do want to just mention quickly before we do the last bit, and that is the new guidelines. So we talked at length a few episodes ago about how uh, some draft guidelines were uh were issued on the 4th of May and I, you know, spent many, many hours comparing them to the old ones so that you didn't have to uh, and making some submissions about changes and clarification and so forth. The brand new guidelines were published on the website on Tuesday. I found them by accident, but we have actually had an email today from the Attorney General's Department announcing that that new, the new guidelines have been issued. Um, Apparently they didn't want to send it earlier because they sent out the registration fee emails on Monday and they thought that celebrants might get confused by getting two emails in quick succession. Oh, you know what it's like when you get two emails in one yeah. day. You're like, hold the ship. I know. So, um, hey, I haven't even got this email yet. Oh, it just came like half an hour ago. Okay, I must still be kind of 11, going well, eleven forty-five. Mine arrived, so mm. um, keep checking. So, I have gone through my list of requested changes and so forth. I made 56 requests for change or for clarification uh, in conjunction with Cheryl Lansbury. We did it together. And 38 of my requests are covered in the new guidelines, which I'm pretty thrilled about. Obviously, a lot of other people made submissions as well, so I can't take all the credit. But um, I'm pretty thrilled that they have taken on board so many of those comments. There are some comments that I made that have not been dealt with in the new uh, version, and I will be requesting further clarification from them because there are some problematic things. Uh, but my my goal over the next week is to do a very careful comparison of the old and the new and to build a table of exactly what has changed uh, and put it out there into the world. Now, that table is not going to be things like, oh, they've moved the checklist for solemnizing marriages from page three to page 130. It's not going to be things like that. It's going to be where there's been an actual change to the guidance that changes the way we do our work. Uh, so because there are multiple changes that actually change the way we do our jobs. So that's what I'm going to be uh, writing up. And when it's ready, I'll be publishing it on the Celebrant Institute. And I think it's time we talked about that now, don't you? It is. But can I just comment? Isn't it great that they'll drop a new guidelines and not do like a here's what's new thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, they'll I mean, just go, hey, guys, here's like what you need to do. Just go and like we were expecting that every single person's going to read this back to front. And it is. But also it's 130 pages. So it's not a brief read. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. We don't think you're smart enough to get two emails in the one day, but we do think you're smart enough to read every page yeah. back to front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bloody God Amazing. Damn. Amazing. Anyway, Celebrant Institute. So the Celebrant Institute is Sarah and I just desperately hoping, trying, and actually putting effort into the the celebrant um the industry sounds like a weird world but just the group of humans that we call celebrants we we want everyone to be better not because we think you're not currently great but that i believe that if you're not moving forwards then you're moving backwards and so um so we just desperately want to enhance celebrancy. We think couples deserve better weddings and also the other services offered by, um, by uh, celebrants like funerals and namings and whatnot. And, uh, and we also, perhaps arrogantly, think that we've got a lot to invest into that area. And so, uh, so we've created the Celebrant Institute, which is the two of us um, answering questions, answering um, quite looking at people looking for advice, writing uh, fresh articles on the uh, different aspects of celebrancy, um, legals, business, marketing, advertising, and actual ceremony presentation. 
And uh, was that a good sell? Did I describe that? How I you hope so. That? I think so. This is really, you know, we've talked about a lot of these things on the podcast. We talk about these things with celebrants that we know in um, our day-to-day interactions. But this is actually us putting these thoughts and ideas on paper in a, well, on screen, in a way that can be searched and found by any celebrant who subscribes. So, um, you know, it's a slightly more um, intensive version of the podcast and of our own blogs. I mean, you know, my blog, and I know your blog too, Josh, is really more client-facing. And some of the questions, a lot of the questions that we'll be answering on here are really not appropriate to put on our client-facing blogs. So it's much... We wanted to have a place where we could put all of that information and education and um, knowledge that uh, celebrants in Australia could subscribe to for a small monthly fee or annual fee and you get a month off if you do it that way. And can I talk about the money side of things as well? Because we've talked about it many times in this podcast about um, us valuing ourselves and charging what it's worth and what it costs. And and you know what? To, to put something like the Celebrant Institute together, heck, to put something like this podcast together, um, not free, but there's there's direct costs of you know technology, high um, services, web stuff. Like there's there's actual real costs, uh, but then also um, Sarah and I invest a lot of time, uh, particularly in this launch week. Like we're recording this on the sixth of July, and hopefully we'll get it out not long after. Uh, but this week alone, uh, I'm just making up numbers. I'm going to assume that we've put you know together at least you know, ten to twenty hours. Oh, of, at of least work. minimum. Um, and and then in the but in the month or two leading up to this. Um, a lot more as well. Like we've we've literally sat down and talked about it. We've been we've been texting about it for ages and just kind of brainstorming and thinking. And and uh, you know what? I think we're doing a bloody good job. And I've got no shame in asking for people to um, to value it as well. And and I really do believe that it's not just about making a donation. It's not you. It's not you reaching out like a charitable donation and um, and say, oh, hey, here you go, guys. Here's ten bucks. I literally do believe that what we're publishing on there is a is good stuff for your business that by investing um, $10 a month or 110 a year. Yeah. hundred. <laughs> there we go. Um, that, that, that you would get more than that in return. And, and I suppose the reason is... it's so low, the, the reason that it's not a couple, a couple of hundred dollars is because uh, this scales really easily. And we're hoping that lots of celebrants would get involved, that it wouldn't just be five or 10 celebrants here charging. And we'd be charging $500 a year, but we'd, hopefully get thousands of celebrants here and it would scale really well. And, you know, for me, this is an extension of all the, I can't tell you how many hours of work um, I've put in over the last four and a half years of answering people's questions about the legalities of us, um, of, of the work that we do. You know, people call me the Oracle and that's not for nothing. I work really hard to, to know the legalities of what we do uh, really well and, you know, to to read the guidelines and to compare them to the old ones and to read the Act and, re- and the regulations. And, you know, all of that takes time I, and I spend a lot of time answering questions, which I'm absolutely delighted and happy to do. But people have been telling me for two years now, you need to monetize this, Sarah. You, you need to get paid for all of that valuable information that you give to us all the time because right now you do it out of the goodness of your heart and that's not that's not okay. We're not okay with that. We want to pay you for this. So that's where this has come from. Um, I'm very grateful to my network to have, who've really pushed me down this path because I have been quite reluctant to go down this path. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to the people who value me and who value Josh and who value our knowledge. And we figure that between the two of us, we pretty much know Almost everything you need to know to run a sustainable and uh, valuable celebrant business. If there's things that we don't know that you want to know, we'll find out. We're good at that too. That's one of the reasons that we're so good at what we do is because we're not just good at having our own knowledge. We're good at researching and finding the knowledge from other places. So we're more than happy to get, you know, guests in to answer questions or to do our own research and, and put that together. You know, we're, we're certainly not saying um, we are the be and all and end all because most of our knowledge has come from other places. We're just good at collating that and putting it into one place. Yeah, absolutely. We were hoping that this would just be 
um, a good thing for you and a good thing for us. You know, I, uh, I've i seen, particularly online, like I'm, I'm a nerd, I've been online for years, and I've seen so many great internet, um, uh, they're founded on the internet resources, whether it's blogs or you know, video channels or, or information sites that were st- started um, for free. And, and at some point, for so many of those people, it takes a toll. Um, and I, I, even just this week, like, I don't know how many people follow, follow this Twitter account, but there's a Twitter account called Found on the Hansard. And, um, and it's just about all of the, um, quirky, weird things that, that are, that are said in Australian Parliament and recorded in the Hansard. And, and this Twitter account, they obviously read through and find, and, and it's of no real deep intellectual value. But I had value. I loved seeing the weird, quirky stuff that came out of it. And and, and the person that runs it this week said, "Hey, I just I can't can't do this anymore." Um, yeah, for, uh, and without really offering any excuse, but I can only imagine whether it be family or time or illness or whatever that um you know what? Hey, this free thing I've been publishing for years. It's not as important as the other things going on in life. And I completely and so, God reading Hansard every day must take freaking hours. Yeah, I totally get so, that. So I. I know that as Sarah and I started talking about this, I definitely had this in the back of my mind that I would like to do this for a long time. And I would certainly hate it if um, particularly just say, for example, Sarah, if you were all in and, and I was all in, but then, you know, we're giving birth in October mm. and October, like I said, actually, you know what? I'm going to start cutting out some things that aren't really bringing me value, AKA money or other forms of value. And uh, the Celebrant Institute is one of those. And, and I, I didn't want that to be a point where we get to eventually. And so I thought, well, you know what? From day one, let's, um, let's work this shit out. Agreed. And so part of that is saying, look, if people are paying for it, um, then there's, there's an impetus on us to turn up. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> they're, they're like, I, I talked at um, Josh's talky thing. <laughs> it's really a celebrancy <laughs> agency get together last Wednesday. And, uh, and I, I had a lot of life going on at that point. Like it was just, a lot of life going on, and those of there know that I stepped out of the building, out of the room for a little bit, just to call Brett and um, just make sure that all that was okay, so I could clear my head. And the only reason I did that isn't for my own mental well-being, but I knew that they'd paid a couple of bucks to come and see me talk, and I owed them a bloody good talk. And I wasn't in a position at that point to do it, and so I, it, it was upon me. Like no one's, no, like I'm sure that would have been lovely. Everyone, everyone, everyone would have been nice. Oh, you know, Withers was having a hard day, but in the end. I owe them a talk and because they paid money to turn up. And there's something about that transaction that says, I'm giving you $10 a month. Answer my question. You know, uh, give me some inspiration, whatever it might be. And can I encourage you? Look at that across all of life. Uh, like I had a real issue with having a free Gmail account. I, I, I've, I've still got a free Gmail account, but I just, I wanted to be a customer of Google's pay him a couple of bucks a month so that because my email is really important to me and I thought if if I'm not paying anything for this they don't owe me anything um and I've kind of got that attitude with a lot of life which is why I don't mind asking for a couple of bucks a month for Sarah and I to be writing some really good articles to help you with your business I'm totally with you and I just on that whole you know expecting things for free I often talk about this with things like Facebook and Instagram uh for marketing I can't tell you the, the number of business groups I'm in where people are going, oh, Facebook's ruining my business because they've changed their algorithm and now I don't get as many people seeing my posts and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's because you're getting it for free. And so yep. if you're not giving them anything back, why should they give you that stuff for free? If your only marketing, marketing strategy is to put posts on Facebook for free, that's not a very good strategy. So, you know, they're, they're well within their rights to limit the scope of, of how your uh, posts get viewed because you're not paying them anything. So yeah, they don't owe you anything. Nothing at all, you know, and that's, that's their prerogative. So I think that, yeah, totally. Paying for things is, is to value those things. And can I sidestep out of this without at all having a dig at anyone who is in this position, but also I just wanted to kind of, I suppose, um, position ourselves with this. Uh, so many Facebook groups are free and the advice being given isn't being given with value and and there's no financial transaction or financial accountability there. And so a lot of the free advice you get is uh, worth about as much as you paid for it. Um, 
and I know that I hold so closely to my heart that as we publish on the Celebrant Institute, um, I'm not giving out free advice. This is paid advice. And so I'm like, this is even just something that goes into writing. Like I'm just, I'm always researching, but I, I wrote an article on copyright yesterday and I, before I click publish, I um, just went and double checked everything I'd said, make sure I wasn't lying yep. or just making it up, um, which you know, I may well, if it's a free Facebook group, I'm like, ah, here's what I reckon. I, yeah. I reckon this is true. <laughs> and that's the other thing about um, about joining the Celebrant Institute is that you can put faith in the fact that we are going to give you information that is fact-checked and based on evidence. And, in fact, at, at the bottom of every legal post I put, I, I am going to put, here is the legal evidence for this. It's at this section in the Act, at this bit of the regulations and on this page of the guidelines. Because uh, I know that in a lot of the Facebook groups I'm in, I spend just as much time undoing the incorrect answers as I do giving the correct one. So um, you can have faith that we will give you stuff that is based in evidence, not just in but this is what somebody else told me or but this is what I think. It will be based in evidence. Oh, man. I'll never forget the day that I was um, when I was running OPD and I had the celebrants arguing over whether you could uh, whether a marriage was not valid if it wasn't consummated and they're all just arguing and arguing. And I'm like, guys, like, like, I, 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 the way I broke it up, I said, show me, show me where in the guidelines, yeah. show me where in the marriage act that this is true and everyone's squabbling. And, and that's honestly like, I'm... Um, as many people might know, or I don't know if anyone in there gives a shit, but I'm not in many celebrant Facebook groups anymore, which isn't, it's not an indictment on the 99% of good people that run them and that are in them. Um, it's just life's too short for the 1% that make it hell. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agreed. And that's why we didn't go down the Facebook route with the Celebrant Institute as well. Gosh. Well, Sarah, we've, I think we've launched it. Um, the, the website is, so you can put www if you need, but the way I say it, there's no www, there's no .com, it's just celebrant.com. Institute. Yeah, and it's not celebrantinstitute.com. There is such a thing, and that's not us. <laughs> is that the American one? It's a, it's somewhere overseas, and it's definitely not us. Let me just put it that way. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to do something that you and I haven't talked about. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally, because that's like literally my modus operandi. <laughs> I'm literally logging onto the website right now, and uh, I thought. Just for the first person that uses this coupon code, do you just want to give away a membership? Just yeah, a freebie? let's do it. Yeah, cool. So, so if you use this coupon code, you literally just get a free membership for life. So, I'm just going to um, make the uh, coupon code podcast, and if you go and sign up right now with the coupon code podcast, you get a free membership. And uh, welcome to the party. And limit quantity one. Woo! So there you go. Done. Love it. Love it. Get in while you can. Celebrant.institute. And that's also the website for this podcast now. So we kind of moved it over from Celebrant.fm. It's now lives on the Celebrant Institute as part of it. It's still free to access. The cell of the podcast will always be free. And the accessing there is free. It's just the paid articles, the us answering questions, the advice, that kind of thing. That'll be paid. And if you try to access that when you're logged in, I'll say, hey, you're not logged in. Blah, blah, blah. And also so, you uh, can yeah. still get to the podcast by typing in Celebrant.fm, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you so can, you yeah. can still type in Celebrant.fm and it will just take you to the Celebrant Institute website and the podcast section of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as always, hello at Celebrant.fm if you have anything you'd like to say or ask or tell us. Uh, and Celebrant.institute, go visit that. We'd love to have you. I think that's it. As my uh, dear father-in-law would have always said, if that was a podcast, we've done it. Mm -hmm.